Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and I am your host today on the show. And we're going to be talking about um, MTHFR mutations. This is a big problem a lot of people are dealing with. And I wanted to do a show about it with Sean Bean. Um, he's an amazing practitioner that uh, is a specialist in MTHFR mutations and, of course, other genetic mutations as well that interfere in our detox pathways. And when these are interrupted, we build up toxins and heavy metals that make us sick, sick can cause cancer and other diseases. Uh, but first, we have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest on the show. And you guys can go and sign up for my free Live to 110 by Wingless e-guide and five free modern paleo survival guides. I also have a brand new modern, I'm sorry, a brand new mineral power e-guide that talks a lot about my mineral power detox and healing program. So definitely go sign up and check that out on the site. Absolutely free. And um, I have two levels of my mineral power program now. There's mineral power basics where you get 30 day supply of the best supplements on the market uh, that I've researched extensively to find the best basic supplements that everyone should be taking every day. So that's part of my mineral power basics program. And then when you're ready to upgrade, mineral power prime uh, starts with a hair mineral analysis and a full custom program to heal your health conditions and to detox your entire body of heavy metals and chemicals. And uh, I'm really excited. I just wrapped the Women's Gluten-Free Summit with Dr. Mark Hyman. It was a huge success. There were over 300,000 downloads of all the presentations. My presentation was about how to do a food elimination diet. And you can still purchase it. Just go to womensglutenfreehealthsummit.com and you can purchase the whole package, all the presentations for, I think right now it's $99. So definitely give that a look. And as promised, uh, we have Sean Bean on the podcast, um, and he is a co-founder for the Center for Bio-Individualized Medicine and the head of the Department of Clinical Nutrition. He also specializes uh, in clinical nutrition, having several years of experience working with challenging medical cases. And I, in fact, I send my challenging cases to him. And he possesses a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science from Westchester University and has earned numerous certifications from the World Institute of Integrative Health Science, also Neuroendoimmunology, that's a mouthful, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and Clinical Hypnotherapy. Sean specializes in alternative medicine, including biochemistry and the neurology of autism, depression, chronic fatigue, weight loss, nutrition, GI imbalances, environmental toxicity, hormones, gene mutations, and lifestyle modifications. <laughs> and he has completed all the necessary requirements for a certification of completion in methylation courses given by Dr. Ben Lynch, who's a big advocate and voice in the world of genetic mutations, including MTHFR. And Sean assists Dr. Ben Lynch and other researchers helping to navigate the complex enzymatic pathways involved in methylation, as well as other biological systems. And he's one of the few specialists, Sean is one of the few specialists in the U.S. specializing in genetic SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. And over the past several years, he has collaborated with medical professionals and clients locally, nationally, and internationally to help them identify hidden imbalances. 
So, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's absolute pleasure, Wendy. Yeah, so why don't you tell the listeners first about how you got into consulting with clients about detox issues and genetic mutations like the MTHFR. I like to refer to it as the motherfucker mutation <laughs> because when I first saw the acronym, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. I, obviously, this isn't a family show, so yeah. <laughs> maybe it is, <laughs> but we're all free to speech. Basically, how it came about was, is let me give you a little bit of background, how I got into this whole avenue of methylation and just alternative health. Basically, roughly about 10, 12 years ago, um, I was a national level competitor bodybuilder. And that lifestyle is not the necessary best to begin with because it, it's got a lot of stress involved, heavy lifting, and you've basically got the pedal to the metal uh, 24-7. Um, and you're doing that for several years, the constant pounding, the, you know, the extreme dieting, you know, your body takes a, your body takes a beating from it. And when I was prepping for a contest, um, I finished the contest and after I got done, I decided to go celebrate. Well, I decided to go celebrate on sushi. Well, sushi was, I hadn't had sushi in six months and my immune system was at a complete compromise. And I was having problems and stuff during contest prep, um, just not feeling right, uh, starting to take afternoon naps, so forth. And then as soon as I had sushi, what happened was is I got sick within 24 hours afterwards. So I went to the doctor and said, listen, doc, I got some gut problems going on. I feel bloated. Um, I had sushi. And they completely ignored it. They're like, oh, you know, you're just a, you got a little bit of gas. So what they do, they give me lactulose, okay, which I was lactose intolerant to begin with. So here I am in the gym. I'm farting so bad that, you know, <laughs> it's stinking up the place. And they almost had to tell me I had to leave because of the um, gas I was producing. It was so obnoxious. It was ridiculous. So I took that for a little while. I'm like, nah, this isn't it. I went back and all suddenly my strength started dropping. My weight started dropping. You know, usually after I diet down, I usually put about 30 or 40 pounds back on afterwards. This time it wasn't happening. My mom was getting a little concerned. So here I was piling five or 6,000 calories in my system and still dropping weight. And I'm like, something's still not going on here. Okay. So I go back to the doctor. They test my testosterone levels. It's 40. I said, 40? Like, yeah, 40. And so I said, I said, I want to retest on that. They did a retest and it was a repeat analysis 40 again. So, all right, some's not right up here. He said, um, you know, we'll send you off to a GI specialist. They said, they looked at my diet like, wow, your diet's really clean and stuff. You know, there's really nothing here you can modify. I'm like, well, yeah, I've been doing this for 15 years. I know the human body very well. And as you know, we're our, we are our own best advocates. Okay. Yes. No practitioner knows our body better than our own. Okay. So unless they've gone through it and they've experienced it, um, they can only go by what they learned through reading and doing their own research. Um, but you know your body the best. So to make a long story short, I went to the GI doctor. It ended up going to 10 the different doctors. Then all of a sudden, the neurological symptoms started coming on. You know, depression, anxiety, you know, abnormal thoughts, out of middle, no man's land. I'm like, something's up here. So to make a long story third, I went... Three years like that, my I lost within the first nine months. I went from 235 pounds at a low body percent fat to 165 pounds, wow. uh, about 15 percent body fat. So when you calculate the body mass loss, you're looking at about 100 pounds of lean body mass loss. Okay, that's basically a half a person. Okay, 
And it wasn't fat that was lost. My body was feeding off itself. So this started the whole cascade and, you know, year after year after year, doctor after doctor after doctor, you know, they tried to put me on antidepressants. It just wasn't working. Said, you know what? Screw the system. I'm going to go underground and try to figure this stuff out on my own. And that's when I started to go on the forums, you know, back in 2006, you know, people were just starting on the thyroid and adrenal. So let's go down that avenue. And then eventually it became a dog chasing its tail. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to come off the forums. I'm going to start researching at government databases. And that's when I started to find out the uh, relationship between autism. Um, and when I started to look at the autism, the chemistry of autism and the neurology, I'm like, boy, it really mirrors just about everything we do. Um, and then I went to a naturopath and I did an organic acid test and it came up saying, you know, I had my excitatories were a little bit on the high end and I had dysbiosis. I'm like, well, no duh. You know, and you, I went to the natural path with all this information in the first place about adrenal fatigue and candida. I'm like, I'm like, you just paid me $600 to tell me what I already knew. Okay. But what can we do about it? He didn't know what to do about it. So what I did was I ripped that test apart for an hour for over one and a half years. And I finally dawned on me. I'm like, wait a second. My chemistry is that of an autistic child. Okay. And I'm like, and I started looking at other people's chemistries. I'm like, there's something really going on here. And then this led me into finding somebody online who was a, um, a nuclear biochemist. Um, she started nuclear. Um, she was a nuclear physicist, and she started talking about um, methylation magic and uh, orthomolecular magic. I'm like, what's this woman talking about? Well, she took me underneath her wing. And she introduced me to methylation. Okay, and then it just started from there. And then back in 2000. It was actually 2006. I started talking about methylation on Stop the Thyroid Madness Board. Oh, yeah. And then people were ignoring me because they said, listen, I bet you these people that have hypothyroidism are going to have a higher risk of cancer. Well, guess what? After doing my own research, and I was able to, you know, years of doing research, I was able to pinpoint the reason why it happened. And I started to develop this ability to pattern recognize. And that's what I do when I take on clients. I don't just look at the person as a system. I look at a person as each individual system and then how those systems are integrated together. So during my journeys, I was introduced to a very loving medical doctor, Dr. Michael Overbeck, who actually um, took me underneath his wing and gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, I worked with him for almost 10 years in helping educate him on challenging cases. We learned from one another. He had the medical side. I had the more alternative side. And we were dealing with people from all over the United States who have been the top specialists. And when we're dealing with those type of cases, we never once addressed methylation, methylation whatsoever. Um, we just went back to the basics, and that's how the people got better, um, just through simple testing and making recommendations majority of it was just paying old lifestyles yeah. was the main cause yeah. okay and what i've learned to do with doctors and stuff and educate them as we move on through the interview we'll start to use analogies and stuff which will actually start to make people think like wow is it really this simple so you were able to heal your pathways use uh, clearing your methylation uh, issues yeah um luckily i wasn't 
too genetically screwed, so to speak, with the methylation, mm-hmm. but I was screwed in other ways. Um, when I did further research, I looked at specific genes related to Asperger's. Mm-hmm. Actually, out of the 21 of the specific gene mutations, I had 17 of them, mm-hmm. heterozygous or homozygous. Yeah. And even as a child, I was unique in many ways. Photographic memory, score straight A's on tests, fall asleep in class with a boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, Books to never carry books or did homework, but I was still a straight A student. Um, teachers got really pissed off because they pissed off. So <clears throat> I had to prove that by taking tests in a separate room. Second of all, um, I was, you know, back when we were back when our generation was going, they didn't understand about autism. They didn't understand about special and gifted children. Okay. I was a special child, but I was I was a gifted child in the special education. Okay, I had a speech impediment growing up. I didn't talk until I was four or five years old. But once I went to a speech pathologist, I wouldn't shut up. Yeah. But my IQ was well over 140, but they put me in special educational classes. Yeah. So we all I had learning abilities. I had learning disabilities, but then I had abilities to do things other kids couldn't do. So. Finally, my senior year at school, I said, listen, I'm in the lowest grade. Uh, I'm on the lowest level of this class. I said, give me some challenge. So I actually jumped from the lowest level of science all the way up to the AP gifted class. And that's when the reality hit. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm outscored. I'm outscoring the valedictorian of the school, okay, in science and keeping up with these people. So it was a good challenge. But basically um, – it was a journey that started, and now it's manifested into the ability to help people, to help educate people, yeah. and to help them separate the bullshit yeah. from the facts. Yes. Oh, yeah, well, there's yeah. a lot of you. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying, well, why don't we talk about uh, the, the Center for Bio-Individualized Medicine? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and why you co-founded that? The Center for Bioindividualized Medicine was um, a brainstorm of mine, and I did it with a uh, co-founder with Dr. Jess Armine. Um, Dr. Jess Armine was a chiropractor who kept showing up at these conferences that I was going to from neuroscience and kept scratching his head and stuff and figuring, what is this guy talking about methylation? What's this methylation? And then finally, one day, he decided to pull me aside and he goes, what are you talking about? And then he finally said, I got a case I need help on. And then it was, was this little girl who was eight years old who was having neurological problems, whose methylation was completely screwed up. And it was, he was, didn't understand the cycle. And I went through and explained the cycle. And over time, it was one of the missing keys to help this little girl who had um, schizophrenia actually be able to um, reduce 60 to 70% of the side effects. And then further, as we got better educated, I started training him, okay? People think that you can learn methylation in two hours. No, that's not true. To learn methylation, to learn about MTHFR, it took me over a year to train him one-on-one to get him to the level that he's at today, okay? There's probably only a few people in the field who has a really good grasp on this, Um, Dr. Jess, Dr. Ben Lynch, myself, you've got um, Cynthia Hill, okay? We all make up, we're all part of the Center for Individualized Medicine and now Methylation. And we created this center because we were just getting bombarded 
with people who have been to doctor, to doctor, to doctor, who's been to this institute, this clinic, and not getting no answers. So we wanted a place for people to come or more so, not just a place, but a philosophy, okay? The Center for Bioindividual, the Center for Bioindividual Medicine should not be associated with just a center. It's a philosophy, okay? It's personalized medicine, yes. But what, does, what personalized medicine doesn't do is they don't show you how to connect the dots, okay? You've got, you've got adrenals, you've got hormones, you've got methylation, you've got this test, that test, every test. It doesn't show you how to connect the dots. So when I'm, on comfort, when I'm on consults and stuff with doctors, I can take all their information from every different lab test and back each one of them up, showing how the genes are expressing based upon clinical evidence, based upon um, lab testing that they have. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different lab tests you can use to back and verify up, okay? That's why we create the center is, is we got tired of, of um, hearing about these cases and we really wanted to focus on helping people and bringing it all together. Okay? Where can someone uh, find, is, do you have a website? Where can someone find the center? Um, the center for Bioindividualized Medicine is um, located, I believe it's um, Dr. Jess Arm, it's at um, drjessarmine.com. Okay. And then they can go there and there's Dr. Jess Armin. We have Dr. Kashuba on board, uh, who's an MD who's overseeing us. We have IV therapy there. I mean, we can do anything that needs to be done anywhere. Where is it located? It's located in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, right outside Philadelphia. It's easy accessibility from um, Philadelphia International Airport. No more than 15 or 20 minutes. And you do cases over the phone, correct? Well. We do cases over the phone or we can do cases in person. Since we do IVs and stuff, we always want to see the people do the IVs first and then um, just to see how you respond. Yeah. Okay, then- so let's talk about uh, MTHFR. Let's, let's, uh, basically, why don't you tell the listeners exactly what an MTHFR gene mutation is and, uh, you know, and how it's not a, perf- uh, a permanent uh, um, affectation or a diagnosis? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. MTHFR is basically a gene that people have that gets expressed, okay? You have to look at the underlying expressions of why it's happening in the first place. Just to summarize it in a very in a nutshell, whenever you see C677, MTHFR, you want to think about cardiovascular, okay? So whenever you see a history of cardiovascular disease, your brain should automatically focus on C677, okay? Clots, atherosclerosis, heart attacks, anything that's cardiovascular related. If you have this, if you have this um, 1298, you want to think of neurological conditions, okay? More neurological. The ratio that I tend to put on that is C677 is usually 80% cardiovascular, and 20% neurological, and the 1298 is more 80% neurological and 20% cardiovascular. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about uh, a, a simple explanation? Because um, from what my understanding is, it's just not that you have your genes are forever, you know, there's something wrong with them, uh, that you were born this way. It's more that it was a, it's a gene copying error, a gene transcription error. And that because of nutrient deficiencies and heavy metal and chemical toxicities, it's interfering in that the copying of the genes and then it can be healed. Correct. What happens is, is when you have an MTHFR mutation, your body's not converting folic acid into its active form, which is 5-methyl, which is 5-methylfolate. Okay. okay. There are several factors that go into that. First of all, you have folic acid receptor issues, which means 
um, removing dairy from the diet, okay? If a person has FLLR1, 2, or 3, then you can suspect that there's going to be a highly like build, highly probability of if they have calcium in their diet, they remove it. Then what happens is, is they're going to reduce the chances of having a, um, a folic acid or a folate deficiency or what we call a cellular folate deficiency. Okay. So here's a very interesting point that needs to be made. If you have a person who's on Deplin who's being medically treated, okay, and you identify that they have the folic acid receptor issue, and you suggest to remove their um, milk from their diet, they need to be aware that they may actually overdose on the Deplin and actually may cause them agitation, other neurological impacts. And what is okay. that medication for? Deplin is used to override MTH4. It's used in um, refractory depression. Okay. A lot of psychiatrists give their medicines. When, uh, when psychological meds aren't working, they'll tend to complement it with Deplin. Okay. Uh, or what they'll do is, is they'll see the MTHFR, and instead of titrating them up on small dosages, they'll hit them with 50, 10, 15, 30, up to 50 milligrams of Deplin, okay? And the problem about that is, is um, folic acid or 5-methylfolate has the ability to push the gas pedal down and to increase catecholamines. So if you have, um, if you have other mutations downstream, and you give 5-methylfolate and you're causing agitation, that tells me that most likely they're a COMT, okay? Yeah, so, so how, many, how many of these people uh, are, what's the, the prevalence of MTHFR gene mutations, do you think? Um, by just doing the general population, I have people walking in that have no health problems and 80% of them at least have one or two copies of the MTHFR. My personal opinion is, People come in, I want my empty, I'm like, why even waste it, okay? You just, if you listen to the history, if you listen to the person, you'll be able to find out what gene mutation they have already without testing. Yeah. And a lot of companies, um, insurance companies, are rejecting testing for it and charging people two, $3,000 for one stinking test, which you can get done through SpectraCell or other um, companies for 149 bucks. Yeah, I've heard like the 23andMe and other companies. It's it's 99 dollars for the 23andMe. Well, with the 23andMe, you're getting several hundred thousand different genes. Okay, and then you use an application from um, MTHFarsupport.com, Strong's app, to break them down um, to show you exactly what genes that you have, and it tells you they're heterohomozygous. Then you need a practitioner to say, okay, just because you have these genes, are they expressing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you like SpectraCell? You prefer them? Well, SpectraCell is good in nutritional testing for if people just want to spend the money, you're better off to spend 99 bucks, getting the 23andMe done and end up with a whole plethora. You know, for 120 bucks, you can have a plethora of tests done where you spend $149 on one test. Yeah. You know? It makes, makes sense. So can these mutations be healed? Can they be corrected? Yes, um, you definitely can correct them. You can actually correct them with food um, because what happens is is a lot of refined methylfolates found in their foliage. Okay, But again, if a person is eating a high dairy-based dairy diet, okay, raw milk, you know, organic, thinking they're eating healthy, they may actually be causing more imbalances that they know about. 
without knowing the mutation. So from some people, if I get their genetic profile, I see that they, hey, listen, you're doing a lot of dairy. You have the folic acid receptor um, blockage going there. Let's remove the dairy. And now all that was greens you're eating and stuff. Now you're getting the full benefit of them. Okay. That way you may not have to take five methylfolates. Okay. And supplement. Whenever you can, Wendy, you always want to use God's own resources. Yeah. Okay. Versus synthetic. Yeah. Okay. Because what happens, God forbid, what happens if there's a, um, a governmental thing to where they pull and you can't gain access to this. Yeah. So you have to think about those situations and how to circumvent them. Yeah. Yeah. And so what about the, uh, the raw versus cooked greens? Because I know Ben Lynch uh, advocates uh, raw greens because he says the folate's destroyed. What yep. is your, your take on that? Because my understanding is that cooked greens, that you get more nutrients and stuff out of them, is the folate destroyed in the cooked greens? The way you would actually explain this way, let's say you had a head of lettuce, okay? You took that head of lettuce out of the ground, put it on the truck, transported it to where you, where it's going to go to. It sits on the, it sits on the um, stand, okay? Let's say that has 400 micrograms of folic acid from the ground. By the time it goes onto the truck, you could probably cut about half of that. Then it sits there. You're probably going to get maybe about 80 micrograms out of the whole head of lettuce, okay? Now, Think about the stuff that you buy in the store. It's not if it's if you pull it out of your garden, absolutely. Then you'll get the more benefits out of it. But if it sits, you don't know how long it's sitting for, and we go home and cook it, then any kind of heat is going to denature stuff. Okay. So I always tell people go raw as much as you can, but we have to remember too that some people guts may be so inflamed that even vegetables and stuff can be irritating to the GI tract. Or they so, won't be able to so absorb the nutrients. They won't be able to absorb the nutrients. You know, as you know, when you cook food, you actually have all the juices and stuff. Okay. And a lot of times the potassium, the sodiums, okay, are stored there. That's where a lot of your nutrients are is in the juice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so do you, do you think people can still get some folate from cooked greens? I think they still get folate from, salt folate from some cooked greens. Absolutely. Maybe not the quantity that you would if they're raw. But I said, if you have other variables in play, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you, if you cut out the milk, the dairy. Exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that's the biggest thing. There's a test called um, the folic acid receptor antibody test. Um, and all it does is it tests your folic antibodies. And all it does it do is tell you to cut your milk. Yeah. I mean, you could save yourself two, three hundred dollars by just cutting your dairy out. Do you That's, recommend that for all clients across the board, pretty much? Absolutely. My whole thing is, is I want to get people into an anti-inflammatory state. Gluten, soy, and dairy—it's got to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if it's raw, okay. It's the casein that people tend to have the reaction to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so what kind of problems or symptoms does an MTHR or motherfucker mutation cause? <laughs> It can cause, you know, schizophrenia. It can cause cardiovascular disease. It can cause problems with detoxification because you need MTHFR for proper um, glutathione production. Um, it can cause a lot of different things. It's still not the metabolic roadblock like people think it is. Okay, it's just a small. It's still like it's like a zip code on a, um, a United States map. Okay, 
it's a small part of the puzzle, but it is a crucial piece of the puzzle, okay? Because it does lend clues. Like, for example, when you look in MTHFR on a um, genetic variance report and you see that there's multiple of them, okay, it's just not the C677. It's not the just the um, C677 and the 1298. When I see a plethora of them down the side, that usually means that there's neurological condition within the family side. And that's why you always want to ask the history, is this gene expressing, okay? 1298 causes more anxiety problems, okay? So you'll see more anxiety from the 1298, more neurological problems. But in certain ethnic groups, C677 can cause neurological problems, just not as prevalent. That's all. So what are some of the other uh, other symptoms as well? Um, like people that are having, so now I've got some clients on my program and sometimes they're, they're having a real tough time uh, with all the detox symptoms like headache and nausea and things like that. What are some of the kind of common symptoms that people just think of or they just kind of learn to live with that are could actually be a sign they're having problems with their detox pathways? In relationship to the MTHFR or just in general? In general, yeah. Um. <clears throat> Whenever you're trying to detox a person, the first thing you always want to do is, number one, is, is if you detox a person, that's going to put stress to the immune system. When you put stress to the immune system, if you already have an upregulated immune system, those same receptor sites that are active by the immune system occupy the neurotransmitters, okay? So this gets into the breaking gas system, okay? So before trying to detox a person, I want to stabilize that person if there's neurological conditions involved first. Yeah. Because if you don't, and they're already upregulated, you cause more upregulation, it's going to cause more more neurological conditions. Yeah. And this is the major problem that I see in a lot of clinicians, okay? They do a great job on the gut. They do a great job area here. But why aren't these people getting better? Why are the people with Lyme coming to me not getting better because of antibiotics? It's trying to do – you're trying to run before you can even crawl, yeah. okay? In this situation, what you want to do is, is the analogy I use is, is, you know, imagine your friend comes to you and you decide that you want, they, they come to your, they come to your house at five o'clock in the morning and they're like, you know what, Wendy, get your ass out of bed. We're going to run the Boston Marathon. You're like, you've got to be kidding me. You got to be freaking crazy. Right. But then, you know, you put your clothes on, you shower and you try to go run and you fall on your face yeah. two, two miles in. That's okay? me. <laughs> but, but just imagine if they came to you one year before and said, Wendy, we're going to do the Boston Marathon. I'm like, okay, well, you train, you eat, you supplement, you carb load, you do all the necessary things. And then when you time come time to run it, you can, you can finish it, okay? Now, this is the same thing that's happening with people is, is that they're trying to accomplish something before even doing the basics first, Okay. Because if you don't do the basics, you're never going to get to the end product. So are you okay. balancing their neurotransmitters? Is that what you mean by yes. correcting the neurological issues? Yeah. Correcting the neurological issues, you want, you know, psychology in a nutshell is basically two sentences. You either pull up on the gas pedal or apply the braking system. That's psychiatry. Okay. That's all they're doing. All right. They may need, or they'll try to push down the gas pedal and there's no braking system in place. And then they start, they start manipulating around different um, factors. But when they think about it, if they look at the symptom, if they look at the underlying pathology first, you know, what's driving it? Okay. What's driving the immune system? What's driving the other factors? Okay. They're still in, I'd say probably about 80% of the cases, there are, it's biologically based. Okay. Pathogens, um, they call it Lyme rage. Um, 
I call it um, Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. And it's kind of hilarious when people like, you know, oh, yeah, based upon this profile and stuff, these are the people that usually go Jekyll and Hyde, you know. And when they have two people in there, the other one looks at the other person like, he nailed you. He, he described you to a T, okay? That's because they're completely normal until the infection happens. Once the infections happens or the stress, it triggers these predispositions, okay? But it's for anger or things anger, like that. Anger, anxiety, depression, whatever it could be, yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, cancer, all that stuff. Um, probably later down the road, you're going to find that Bartonella is probably going to be increases of specific cancers because it put, number one is, is it tends to aggravate the um, vasco-anterior growth factor, which actually goes into another precursor into HIF-1, which is elevated in people that tend to have cancer. Hmm. Yeah. And so when you fix people's neurotransmitters, are you doing that with amino acids or how are you balancing that? Um, when you're balancing neurotransmitters, the first thing you always want to do is you want to look at why they're low. Second of all, you want to look at the cofactors co of, of the actual enzymes themselves. So when you do neurotransmitters, I'll use neuroscience testing, uh, which I think is the uh, gold standard because I've done probably close to two or 3,000 of those things. And the accuracy rate on those are probably about 90% or better when properly interpreted, Okay. Because whenever you're doing neurotransmitters, you got to take consideration nor the neurological drugs that they're on and how it affects it. Mm. So you, the practitioner needs to make those adjustments. If you send it to a psychiatrist and he says, oh, wow, your serotonin's a little low and they're on Paxil and they give them more Paxil, it's going to make them worse. Because you're trying to run a car 100,000 miles and expecting to get the performance of it when you first got it. But the oil, there's... They're, the oil hasn't been changed, the filter hasn't been cleaned, and the and the motor's going to clock. Yeah, okay. and that's what psychiatrists do. They just up the up regulate the medication, or they just switch it to a different one to say, yep. hope that hope that works without any testing. There's very few psychiatrists doing testing. No, there's going to be more of that in the future. Um, I've got my uh, I've got connections over in Australia to a huge psychiatry place. Um, I think it's Black Dog University, which is really interested in what I do. Because um, you're not just taking – what you're doing is, is you're taking psychiatry from a, a subjective science into a true science. By using the, by using the 23andMe, the, um, the results you get from MTHFR um, variance report, you can actually be able to gauge what meds would work in certain situations versus what meds may not be as effective. Yeah. And then you ask the specific questions because I have psychiatrists just send me their – people's profiles and don't tell me their symptoms. I let the 23andMe dictate what's expressing and what's not expressing by asking questions. And this is one of the things um, that uh, we're going to present in our upcoming seminar is, is what questions can you ask as a practitioner to know genes are expressing? That's the $64 million question is, are these genes expressing? So, for example, if you have this person's COMT, they're going to respond to they're going to respond to cabinase, they're going to respond to phenotropic. But guess what? That pe gas pedal's down, and their braking system's broke. Okay, if you have a, you have a COMT, low cortisol, high norepinephrine, and low magnesium. Those people are going to be literally climbing up the walls. Okay, because low cortisol increases norepinephrine. Ep norepinephrine can't be broken down. Magnesium is needed for approximately about 30% of the enzymes function in the first place, okay? 
So that's why when you have COMT, you give magnesium, you give, you work on the GABA system and sometimes the glutamate system. Those people chill right out and they've been on antidepressants for a long time and they tend to respond to benzos. They also tend to respond a lot to um, Effexor too yeah. or Wellbutrin. Yeah. Okay. So you can see how psychiatry is more in the science now. Whatever psychiatrist tends to adopt it, that's what's going to be our goal is to educate them, say, listen, why don't you look at this? So I'm working with some of the, I'm working on cases along with some of the best psychiatrists um, in line right now. Uh, I got a couple people I'm working in conjunction with. I'm not changing their alteration, their meds or anything. All I'm doing is complimenting what the psychiatrist is doing in the first place and trying to convince them, say, let's try to look down this avenue. Yeah, and so what are some of the other mutations that are very, very common besides the MTHFR? Oh, got got NAT2. Well, we got NAT. You've got ACE deletion 16. Um, NA2, when you have NAT2 with ACE deletion 16, you usually have an inverse, you usually have a paradoxical effect. ACE deletion 16 is usually associated with high blood pressure. When you have NAT and you have ACE deletion 16, it's low blood pressure, even if they're homozygous. Okay, because that is reflective of the adrenal impact. Okay, normally if you see NAT, the way I train practitioners is I train on keywords. NAT is cheap date because they can't tolerate alcohol, <laughs> so they're usually cheap dates. And I joke with my clients to listen. If I was out in the dating world and stuff, all I would need is a picture along with your twenty three and me. I would know exactly who to take out and who not to take out. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> It's true. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because you kind of become, uh, after doing, after you're doing so many of these, you really only need the person's profile. You don't need the history because you're sitting there asking the question and they're sitting there shaking their head and they, some people get freaked out by it. Okay. Because I have people come in me and look and I look at them and said, you know, have you been, you know, have you been raped in the past? Right out of my mouth. Yeah. Because of certain certain mutations tell me that they're an internal stressor, that yeah. they're they're a stress eater and that they're overweight. And you can see the anxiety on their face and stuff. And it's not common for clients when I'm face to face with them to start crying. Yeah. Because you're hitting chords and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I sometimes I may be abrupt, but you know what? I get the information out because I start clawing away. And once I start seeing certain mutations, I can start asking specific questions. To start digging to find out what's going on. Like BHMT, that's basically um, ADD, OCD, and also lack of internal peace. Okay, soldiers coming back from Iraq that have BHMT, don't even waste your time on cognitive therapy. You can do the cognitive therapy to understand and help them cope with their feelings, but you're never going to get to the root cause of the problem. Because the root cause of the problem is PTSD, which is not on the conscious level, but on the subconscious level. So those people respond good to EMDR, NET. So when you see certain patterns and stuff, you can start to work with psychiatrists and be able to gauge what therapies they have they may engage in to help them better on with their current existing condition. You've got um, COMT, we already discussed. You've got MTHFD1, which is intestinal hyperpermeability, which is phosphodiacetylcholine. You've got SHMT, which is basically the leaky gut gene. So in this situation, you just want to pull off the, all the anti-inflammatory foods. You know, people are like, "What should I eat?" I'm like, "Well, just remove the normal ones. You know, soy, gluten, dairy, and 
a lot of times that tends to solve the problem. Sometimes it takes sometimes it takes about three to four weeks for them to feel the effects because what happens is is it, and some people, believe it or not, I had that got back to me. If you removed all that stuff, a lot of them might have increased anxiety, okay? Because we know that gluten works on the opiate receptors. And basically, it's almost like taking a crack addict off drugs. Yeah. So if you're working with somebody who's totally gluten sensitive, okay, and they start to experience anxiety and you haven't changed anything else, it's probably because their body going through um, drug withdrawal. Yeah. Not yeah. Drug withdrawal. Yeah. So you got the GADs, you know, GADs are the addictions gene. Uh, COMT, guess what? You got a person COMT, BHMT, and GAD1. Guess what happens? That person's going to, the GAD and the BHMT are going to emphasize the COMT. Okay? Because whatever the activity that they participate in to reduce the stress is going to be reinforced. That's why people and stuff that can go have bad, that's why people can go into a bar, have a few drinks, and leave versus the people that have a few drinks and end up being an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what about, how do we change this? How do we heal these? What's in your arsenal? Because you said food, you use supplements and enzymes and things of that nature. Um, yeah. Um, to heal these mutations, the first thing is, is you want to find out what's expressing them. You always want to look at the underlying pathology of the problem. That's why detailed history along with supplementations. And you always want to ask your clients, what made you feel better in the past? Okay. That will give you a clue. What supplements you have responded negatively to, okay? Um, as you're going through the 23andMe, you'll ask these questions. Have you responded negative to methylfolate? Yes. Here's the six different metabolic pathways that could be expressive of that. And um, what other blab, whatever lab tests you have, okay? Sometimes, you know, it's a combination of just looking at the endocrine, you know, the neuroendocrine immune system and just finding the imbalances, and once you find those pieces, then you can curtail a customized approach in order to get there. Sometimes you might have to do this area first. There's there's really no set protocols yeah. in doing this, okay? It is a science. It's an art form, okay? That's where the difference lies is because a lot of practitioners are doing cookie-cutter approaches which are doomed to failure, okay? There's practitioners out there who are charging mega bucks and calling themselves methylation experts who haven't been to Dr. You know, who haven't even, even I went to Dr. Lynch's seminar. Well, guess what? That doesn't make you an excellent methylation expert. Yeah. Okay. Are you doing the research? Are you contributing to the, uh, are you contributing to the field? Are you, and is your research being shown up on the MTHR variance reports? Okay. Um, what kind of relationship do you have with this practitioner, or that practitioner? So you need to ask questions, okay, of how experienced they are. Um, oh, I specialize in MTHFR. Great. Do you want to specialize in other SNPs? How do you find out if those SNPs are expressing? What testing do you do? Do you use lab testing? No, I use biofeedback. I'm like, okay, great. Okay. I tend to come, I tend to come from a clinical experience because that's how I was trained. Okay. When I worked the doctor, we had to cross, we had to dot our I's and cross our T's because we're dealing with insurance. So the approach that I take is totally clinical. Every rhyme or reason that supplement or testing I suggest to the doctor is backed by clinical research. Okay. For if any, for God forbid anything happens and I get audited, 
I'm able to back myself up and say, you know what? Here's the reason I recommended these supplements uh, for the doctor to review. Okay. And that way it protects yourself. And is there is there a place you can go to uh, see or a website where you can see a list of really qualified practitioners that do this? Um, MTHFAR.net has them. Um, and they are very, very good. But again, you have to call and interview these people. Yeah. Okay. You have to do your homework. Okay. You have to listen to podcasts. You know, people may talk a good game. But we know that what you practice is what you preach, okay? And I have, I have read beautiful books from people who are supposedly the specialists in the field, and I have clients who have gone to them and asked specific questions, and they start backpedaling, okay? As, practice, as practitioners, there's some people who are good teachers. There's some people who are good practitioners, okay? So ideally, they should come to you. <laughs> Where can, where, where can we find you? Where, where can someone find you to work with you? Uh, if somebody wants to work with me, they can contact me at info at matrixhealthwell.com. I'm currently in process of putting up my website. Hopefully, it should be done in a few weeks to have that out. Um, that was um, – I had um, Susie Cohen, who is a great friend of mine, um, help in assisting with that. I had my lovely fiance, Laura Kaufman, also uh, – help with building that website. So, um, and so what do you charge? What do you charge for a consultation to look over someone's all their testing and whatnot? Cause there's many, many people that are just like yourself that go to doctor after doctor after doctor and nothing works. And so what do you charge and what is your whole process uh, in working with you? The whole process in working with me is, is first of all, you, they contact me. I send them out my, um, introductory information, um, I normally, my normal charge is three fifty for initial consultation, which lasts about seventy-five minutes to ninety minutes. But you also have to remember the fact is, is all the research that goes in, um, in either contacting other doctors, which I do. Um, once the case gets going, I may spend I may spend sometimes two or three hours um, talking to other specialists with these complex cases. Um, it's three fifty for initial visits. And then it's $150 for um, 45 minutes, and then it's $15. It's $50 for each additional 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do, you know, if it goes over, I do. I try to. Do, I try to prorate it. Okay. I don't want to be by the clock. Okay. Yeah. I just want to try to help people, um, and just you know make an honest living about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was so informative, and I know there's a lot of people that are. It's gonna. Have a lot of light bulbs going off for them. So, and, and you know, when they've been troubleshooting their health, and this is something that many doctors are not aware of and not testing for. So, I'm hoping that a lot of people will um, be looking into this uh, in regards to their health once they hear this podcast. And another service that I do offer is is I do peer to peer reviews, ah, mm-hmm. which means if you have a doctor who um, is stuck on a case, I would be glad to review that case with him. And they can contact me as well um, because it's a learning experience um, because just helping one, just helping with one case may help 10 other cases. Um, I work with multiple doctors in Canada, United States and Australia um, in helping educate them in these complex cases uh, and just 
you just need, may need a half hour or so just to, you know, ask some specific questions yeah. that you may be stuck on. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I really appreciate it. Definitely want to have you come back on again and talk a little sure. bit more about, you know, other kinds of mutations in the future. So thanks for coming on the show. And listeners, if you want to learn all, right, all about... De- oh, yeah. Thanks, okay. So listeners, if you want to learn all about detoxification and the modern paleo diet, you can go to livetoone110.com. And thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.